Last week, we, we started talking about friction. Everybody say friction. I've used that word a few times here recently. Uh, in, in my life, in my prayer time with the Lord, uh, there are things that the more I spend time with God, the more uh, the way I used to think about things begins to change. God begins to deal with a person who spends time with the Lord. Amen. If you only spend time with yourself all the time, it's no wonder that your opinions are right and, uh, and everybody else's are wrong. You spend time with the Lord, you realize you're not God. He is. And your way may seem right, but you want to do it God's way. And so if you spend a consistent amount of time with God, he usually, the things you begin to pray about that you need him to work on, he does the weirdest thing. He starts working on you. And all those people you're telling God about and all those situations that if he'd fix, you'd be happy. He starts wearing you out. Somebody say amen. I've come to appreciate that. I've come to enjoy it. It's a little offensive at first because you really want God to take care of other people because they're the problem. But the minute God starts dealing with you and you start realizing that your life is much more peaceful when you get yourself straightened out, you start enjoying the times God says, now I appreciate what you've done and who you are, but now let's deal with this. And you say, yes, Lord, deal with it because I want to be what you want me to be. Somebody say amen. It's amazing to me the attitudes that can surface in me when I don't spend consistent daily time in the presence of God. It's amazing the things and attitudes and, and thoughts that can get a hold of me when I do not spend consistent daily time time with God in his presence somebody say amen let me just give an example uh, I uh, the Lord speak everything whether it's a physical world a lot of people the only time God speaks to them is when they're in a spiritual environment uh, prayer room service the preacher preaching the word altar but God's voice uh, sometimes comes up in my spirit there are times that he says things at the oddest times uh, and today was one of those days uh, I have a good friend that lives over in St. Louis area that um, and we're talking about frictions everybody say frictions fighting frictions in fact if you will just to catch us up last week we talked about God says you can and you must resolve your conflicts you remember that you can and you must. So I'm not wandering around tonight. We're going somewhere, but uh, just enjoy the journey as we go, I guess. Um, I have a good friend over in St. Louis area that used to do some deer hunting down in the Dix area. And uh, he had some property down there, and he used to go hunting quite a bit. And for one reason or another, the individual that was allowing them to hunt down there didn't, didn't want anybody hunting anymore. So he lost his hunting privileges. 
Well, he's a good friend of mine, and, and uh, him and his wife are pastors, and, and uh, well, she's the pastor. He just gets up and preaches on the weekends. No, I'm teasing. He's, he's that kind of friend. We, we joke with each other. But uh, he, he called me when this happened, and they happened to know that we had purchased some ground out south of Salem, and he called with a request. Yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to, would you mind if me and my son come and deer hunt on your property? Absolutely not. My, I don't mind at all, is what I was saying. My, my ground is your ground. You come and hunt, and his son had never been deer hunting. So last year, they showed up first shotgun season, and, and the first day by seven, 30, uh, the dad had shot a nine-point buck. Well, how does that make you feel? It makes me feel like God's holding that bigger one for me. It's just a test. You get all bent out of shape about it, you're going to get a button buck next time you go out. You can't rejoice with your brother. you got a problem. He calls and says, Calvin, it's... I've already got one down. I got a buck down. I need you to come help me find it. And we find it nine point. And I'm like, that is awesome. He said, that's the biggest buck I've ever killed. So we celebrated. We drank some of the blood and did all that. No. <laughs> just, just a joke. That night, his son shot a big old doe. And so his first deer his son had ever killed. I was so excited for him. So about two weeks ago, he calls again. Hey, I was wondering uh, if me and Titus, which this is kind of the deal, you know, their son is Titus Calvin, and he's named after me, so uh, I don't know why, but anyway. Uh, me and Titus want to come hunting during gun season. Is that all right if we do that? I said, absolutely. You just come right on back. And when I hung up, I told Cheryl, I said, I've got to get to hunting. Because I don't know how many of those big nine, ten pointers are left. I got to get going here. You know what I'm saying? So the last few days, I've, I've been wandering around the woods. And uh, so it was this morning. I went deer hunting this morning. And it was a beautiful morning. About 4.30, I started walking down through the trail. I'd cut through there and got all the leaves off of it so I could sneak in real nice and easy. And I didn't even need a flashlight. I mean, the moon was just beaming. Anybody out at 5 this morning? Anybody else? Brother Jim, were you out at 5 this morning? You're always up at 5. But you weren't walking through the woods at 5 this morning. Anybody walking through the woods this morning about 5? No? You folks snooze, you lose. None of you ladies walking through the woods at five this morning, right? All right. Anyway, you missed a good morning. So I'm walking through the walking down the trail and, and I didn't even need a flashlight. I could see the trees perfectly. I knew right where I was, knew right where I was going, didn't even need a light to find my stand that I'd left set up during the night. So I get up in that tree, and I'm sitting there, and, and I'm facing to the west, so the moon's shining right in my face, and I'm just, what, just beautiful morning. And uh, all of a sudden, 
it starts getting light in the sky behind me. And in that moment, when I'm looking at that beautiful moon, I begin, I'm reminded of it's right then that all of that becomes scriptural. And the Lord reminds me that the church is the moon in the, in the, in the uh, constellation of God. The church is the reflection in a dark world. And, and so I'm sitting there looking at that moon and I look around and I see shadows and I, 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 you know, I literally can see shadows on the ground and I think, well, look how beautifully the moon is lighting up the darkness. And then all of a sudden that sun started coming up and I noticed something happened. All the shadows and light that the moon gave began to diminish. The shadows cast by the light of that moon were going one direction, and when the sun came up, they literally turned around and started going the other direction. The light that was greater came up and superseded the light of the moon that was still shining, still there. And in that moment, the Holy Ghost spoke to me about a scripture in John chapter 1, and I teased Brother John about it. (laughs) There was a man sent from God whose name was John. And in John chapter 1, it says, He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. And it became strikingly clear to me that the church is the light in the dark world. Yes, it is. But there is a greater light than this body. There is a greater light than this church right here. And that is the Son of Righteousness. And he will rise with healing in his wings. I believe the Lord is coming very soon. And as I sat there and watched the light of the moon begin to diminish, I began to realize that that's probably about the time we are at in the coming of the Lord. The sun is rising. Jesus is about to come back. And that light is going to shine in every corner. The glory of the Lord is going to fill the whole earth. So I begin to realize that although we shine and we, we want to follow God and we want to reflect Jesus Christ in this world, we are not that light. The church is not that light. We are, we are the reflection of what God has done in our lives. Somebody say amen. How many know the church is not perfect? How many know there are people sitting not far from you <laughs> Uh, in fact, maybe they're sitting right where you're sitting, that there, there are times in their life, their life wasn't a good reflection. Did that diminish the light of the sun? No, absolutely not. Didn't change, doesn't change who Jesus is because you and I have our difficulties. No, I'm going to preach on. It doesn't matter, uh, you know, we, we have our ups and we have our downs. But you know what? If my mother tonight decides I'm not serving God any, any longer, it doesn't diminish the true light. It doesn't make Jesus any less powerful, any less glorious. He's still God. He's still on the throne. Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord. Uh, and, and so we, we, in our minds, we, we, we think that and we believe that. I know we believe that uh, because we say it. We say, you know, I didn't get saved for anybody and I'm not going to be lost for anybody. Uh, 
My mother and father forsake the Lord. I'm still going to love Jesus. If people walk out of church, I'm still going to be faithful. And although the moon may go through phases, (laughs) it doesn't diminish the power of the son of righteousness. He's the one that we focus our attention on. He's the one. We don't want this world to get enamored with a nice full moon. We want them to realize there's a source of that light. And it's not us. It's Jesus. And the Bible says that about John. He came to bear witness of that light. That's what we are here for is to be a witness for that light. Jesus. Everybody okay? So everything we do and every action we take, we take it not because we want people to look at us, because we are not that light. It, it's kind of humorous to me that we, we had, you know, we, and I think we've come through it, but we had this mentality as Pentecostals. Uh, we, were, we were, you know, we came from the brush arbors and the other side of the tracks, and all of a sudden uh, we weren't on the other side of the tracks anymore. God blessed us, and we started building nice buildings, and, you know, people started coming to the revelation of the truth, and the Holy Ghost started being poured out, and all of a sudden we weren't the stepchild off on the other side of the tracks, and we got a little blessing on us, and And we started saying things like, oh, we're the best kept secret in the world. Well, who do you think you are? If they could just hear my preacher or come, and I understand what we're saying, but let's not, let's, let's, let's not swing that pendulum too far. Let's recognize that what we're saying is we want them to know Jesus like we know Jesus. Has nothing to do with how good our choir is or how nice the music is or how nice the furniture is. See, we are not that light. Jesus is that light. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. And so that leads me, if, 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 uh, if would you get me a scripture, Shine? And this is not, surprisingly, this is not on your list. Uh, Psalms 119, 163. I want to begin here. We talked about friction. Everybody say friction. Uh, you do recognize that there are times where we don't example Jesus very much. You do recognize that in your life, in my life, it may be a new moon. In other words, you don't see any reflection. Okay. You recognize that. That doesn't mean Jesus is not still on the throne. There are people that you probably would sit here and say, I can't believe somebody that loves Jesus would say that to me. I can't believe somebody that loves Jesus would do that to me. Hello? I want to say this to you with the Holy Ghost love in my heart. There are people that have literally said to this pastor, I can't continue to attend that church if so-and-so, and and they named the name, if so-and-so is going to attend that church. And I said, well, I'm sorry. I'm not going to tell anybody they can't walk in the door of this church. And if you're in such a state that everybody has to be perfect for you to go to this church, you're just going to cause problems down the road. That's just the plain and simple truth of the matter. Because I want to tell you right now, 
Dale Burner's nutty as a fruitcake. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. I was wondering who to say that about. I wanted to say it about somebody that wouldn't easily get offended. He knows what I'm saying. You know what? There are sometimes, Jonathan, that I, I'm... I'm uh, if you judged the church by how I woke up this morning, you'd have been in a fog. Thank God we don't have to judge the church by Homer Coker. Homer is not that light. Jesus is that light. Now, now rest assured, I'm not swinging the pendulum that says it doesn't matter what we do. We can do whatever we want because we are going to offend. No, we shouldn't be offending people. We shouldn't think we can live in here because we want to we wanna do all for the glory of Jesus Christ. But we need to recognize sometimes pride gets a hold of us and we start thinking, well, who are they to treat me like that? No, no, if they crucify Jesus, they might nail you a few times too. <laughs> Am I okay? All right. I wanted to read this passage. Go ahead and put it up. Keep, keep, stay ahead of me so you can move me along a little bit, Cheyenne. Let's see how fast you want me to be. Psalms 116, verse 119. Sorry. Verse, chapter 119. Don't get offended. Verse 163. I know it's odd to have 160. Oh, wow, you're quick. No, that's not right. <laughs> Psalms 119. Okay, let me find it. I know it's in there somewhere. <laughs> I rebuked that computer, not the operator. That is Psalms 119, 163. Oh, 165. Ah, uh, you were right. Great peace, read this with me. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. How many's had great peace today? Brother Brother Dale Burner. Great peace. Of course he's nutty as a fruitcake, so no. Great peace. How many would say just to you. How many would say there are times in your life you don't have that great peace? This passage says, great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing can offend you. How many's ever been offended? Notice my hands up. Raise your hand if you've been offended. Absolutely. So what does this mean? Does this mean I don't love the law of God because I've been offended? No. I love the, how many love the law of God? But you've been offended. So this verse is a bold-faced lie. Right? Because we, what's happening to us is true. That's fine and dandy for KJV stuff, but here's the issue. I love God's word, but I still get offended. So either you or that book are a lie. So I love the law, but I've been offended. But, but when you dig a little deeper, that word offend, if I say offend... It means cause to stumble. Cause to stumble. Oh, wait a minute. Here we go with this. Let's say that I'm offended by Lynn wearing a jean skirt. No rhyme or reason to it. I just 
pull something out of the hat. And I walk up to Lynn and I say, that jean skirt offends me. I'm saying, Matt, that jean skirt causes me to stumble. That causes me to fall. Now, wait a minute. We just said five minutes ago, I don't care what my mother does, what my daddy does, who serves God or who doesn't, I'm going to serve God. Could it be said that pastor could say this, I get offended by leaders in this church that don't come to prayer meeting. So you don't know how to take that, do you? You're not sure if I mean that? Think about it. I get offended when leaders don't pray. You know what I'm saying, Joyce? I'm saying that people not praying is causing me to stumble. Well, wait a minute. Whether you pray or not is not going to make me stumble. Maybe offend is not the right word. Maybe disappointed should be the word. See, offend is a big word. It means what you do causes me to falter or to sin. And if we get to the point where, how many's ever been disappointed with somebody? Yeah, but maybe not offended because offended means you're going to walk out of church. I ain't going back. In fact, I'm going to the ABC bar and I'm going to get me a big cheeseburger and a big cold one because Homer didn't shake my hand. See how stupid that sounds? Because nobody, if you love God and you love his law, nobody is going to make you stumble. So I want to rephrase the question. How many of you love the law of God? Well, sure we do. And how many of you would say, I don't care what anybody else does. I'm not walking out on Jesus. I'm not going to quit serving God. I'm not going to stop doing what I know to do. See, that's what that verse is saying. Blessed, great peace have they that love his law, and nothing causes them to stumble. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. Nothing. Nothing. Well, Brother Gene, you don't know what they did to me. Well, wait a minute. How much do you love God? If anybody can drive you out of the presence of God, you had an idol anyway. Somebody's between you and God. You're an idolatrous person if somebody can get between you and God. Nobody's going to get between me and God. Not my dad, not my mother, not my wife, not my kids, not my sisters, not the saints of God I pastor, not other pastors who've had great revelation. I had an interesting email the other day. He sent me an email about this new revelation this guy has had, and he goes on and on about his sincerity. He goes paragraphs and paragraphs about his sincerity and about how long he had labored and studied and prayed, but he never mentioned one verse. He never backed up his new revelation with Scripture. It was all about my sincerity, and I love God just like everybody else. Well, that's fine and dandy, but you know what? I'm not just going to swallow that hook, line, and sinker just because you're sincere. There's a lot of sincere people in the world. 
And I'm not going to walk away from truth because somebody says, well, I felt so deeply about it, I'm going to cry about it. It doesn't matter to me. I'm not going to let anything offend me. Oh, come on, clap. Oh, clap your hands under the Lord. Nothing. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, if I love the law of God, nothing will cause me to stumble. Nothing. Nothing will put, nothing will make me fall. Somebody say amen. I appreciate the presence of the Lord we feel here tonight. We talked about God. Uh, We can and we must resolve conflicts. We're talking about offense, being offended, being sensitive. So let's talk about a second thing. I can and I must resolve conflict. Second thing I want to share with you, and there may be only three, so next week may be the last one. Let me say to you tonight, not only can I and must I resolve conflict. Second thing, I must prepare to change. I must prepare to change when resolution comes. Man, that's tough because none of us want to change because we're right. So-and-so's ignorant, and I'm right. And if anybody's going to change, who's going to change? They are. Everybody say, they are. Absolutely, because they're the thing that needs to change. I'm good. I'm good. If Alicia changes, everything's good, because Matt's good. Doesn't need to be any meeting in the middle. Don't need to be any rethinking this. I want to say to you, not only can you and must you resolve friction, be ready to change. Everybody okay? All right. I heard a, another beatitude. It's not in Mark, uh, Matthew chapter 5, so it's not in the one of the original beatitudes, but it should be. It says, blessed are the flexible, for they won't get bent out of shape. Go ahead and be all stiff and I'm not changing. You know what? Statues are really pretty to go and look at once in a while. The birds really like them. All right, let's look at Ephesians. Now we're in the verses. All right, Ephesians 4, 22. We're going to read some verses here. Is this okay? That you put off. Everybody say put off. Put off concerning the former conversation, the old man. Put off the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That's what we need here bad tonight. We need a renewing tonight in our spirit. You know how I know that? Because when we get so sensitive, little stuff that doesn't matter gets in the way of us, we need a renewing in the spirit of our minds. Uh Uh-oh. 
and that you put on. Everybody say put on. Everybody say put off. He said take something off and put something on. Put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now, I know when you were the old man, if somebody treated you like that at work, you'd pick up a pipe wrench and knock their head off. But you're not the old man. You are a new man. Take that old man off and put the new man on. I know when you were an old man, you'd let him have a piece of your mind, but you don't have your mind anymore. It's Jesus' mind in you. You don't have any more pieces to give. So put on the new man. All right, so let's, man, I don't have time to stop on every verse. Verse 25, wherefore putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Be angry. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, be angry. Now, isn't that a message? Be angry. Because we tell people, don't be angry. Well, wait a minute. The Bible says, be angry. Be ye angry. That means you be angry. I mean, he's been angry. Sure. Oh, Tracy. Okay. <laughs> Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more. But rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed under the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind and be ye kind. Everybody say, be angry. And be kind. How can you be angry and be kind? I'm so mad. I'm fixing it. How can you be kind and angry at the same time? I never heard my mom once. When, she, when I was getting ready to get a whipping, <laughs> I don't know if there's anything kind there at all. I'd hear her say, this hurts me more than it hurts you. That was the kindest words I ever heard. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I forgive you. Say it again. Be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, have forgiven you. You know, I've known some of the hardest, angriest people on the face of the earth and deal with other people like they are dirt under their shoes until it was their child dealing with that situation. Now, it doesn't happen here at all. Nobody here. But I want to tell you, there are people that think the pastor should string some folks up until it's their kid. 
I've had people walk in my office and, and be afraid to disclose what's going on for fear that the pastor's going to run them up the flagpole out in front of the church. And you have to convince them. You have to say, no, I'm going to treat your kids just like I'd want you treating my kids. Well, I feel embarrassed. Well, don't be embarrassed. We love one another. Is everybody okay? See, we are family, aren't we? That, that, that I want to help my children. I want to strengthen them. I want to encourage them. I want to uplift them. I don't want to embarrass them. I don't want to make them a public example. And neither do I want to make you a public example. Now, are you hearing me? Be kind one to another. You know what that really means? Treat everybody like you would want to be treated. Is that okay? I think it's important. Forgiving one another. Colossians 3, 9 and 10. Lie not one to another. Seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, quit lying. There ain't no way you can be that right. And have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Listen, this is, uh, I'm going I'm to move real quick. Everybody say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Maturity is becoming what you were meant to be. How many would say you've matured a little bit since you started walking with the Lord? Oh, yeah. Isn't that a good thing? Aren't you glad you're not pooping your diaper and being bottle fed? No, I mean spiritually. I mean spiritually. Maybe some of us get a little older. We're just about to get back to that. But I'm talking about spiritually. Spiritually, you have matured. Everybody okay? The Bible tells us a Christian is a pilgrim and a stranger who is on the move. He's traveling to a heavenly city. He has not arrived yet. So change is the essence of his maturity. You have changed all the way to this very point. And God's not through with you yet. God still wants to work on you right now. God forbid that anybody say, oh, that's enough change, God. I'm more like you than anybody else. I'm good. Go work on Brother Burner. (laughs) No, Lord, keep changing me. Every morning I have this conversation with God. Lord, change me today. Somebody say amen. But change is difficult. In fact, it's not easy. In fact, saying no to yourself and saying yes to Jesus is what it means to put off and to put on. Put off yourself and put on Jesus. And that's not easy. In fact, the scripture likens it to this. When you put off yourself, it's like taking up your cross. That's hard to do. It's difficult for you to deny yourself. This is why we must continually remind God's people, it's not about you or me. It's about him. What about me? You know what I'm supposed to do? I'm supposed to mortify myself every day. Mortify means kill crucify when do i crucify myself daily everybody say daily and all change is hard and you need some strong motivation to do it (laughs) 
Somebody say amen. Some people, uh, you know, let me say this. Children that are accustomed to slamming doors, you know what? They get married and have a wife and two or three kids, and they're still slamming doors. Hey, you know what? If you go in my bedroom right now, there's a fireplace right at the end of the bed, and there's one of those uh, spark arrestor screens. You know a screen that goes around the fireplace? I cannot even count for you the articles of clothing that are hanging on that. And you know whose they are? Sister Alicia's saying enough of that kind of preaching. You know whose clothes they are? Oh, good guess. That's exactly right. And you know what? When I was a boy, I'd hear mom saying, when you start buying those clothes, you'll treat them different. I'm going to take her a picture of my fireplace and send it to her. (laughs) See, nothing changes, mom. I come home from church, and I'm so wore out, I can't even hang them up, throw them on the fireplace. They'll hang there for two or three days until I hear my wife. (sighs) (sighs) Anybody know what I'm talking about? Throwing clothes on the floor continues even into adulthood. I can't tell you how many times somebody, I'm not going to tell you who says in my house, why don't you just put that in the dishwasher? I never thought about it. Because when I was a kid, I'd just go put it in the sink. There it is. Mom will get it. So my dishes pile up in the sink when there's a perfectly good dishwasher two feet away. Change is hard. Am I okay? Some people focus on the past. You know what? If you focus on the past, change is impossible. You know why? Because you cannot change the past. There's nothing, oh, you need to hear me right now. There are some people that are so frustrated in their life because they cannot, they want to change things so bad, but the past cannot be changed. You cannot go back and redo it. You are wasting precious energy and emotional value trying to change what's already happened. All you can do is change what is right now. That's it. That's all you can do. So if I want to have change, if I want to mature, it has nothing to do with going back. And oh, we'd all love to go back and make some decisions over. Hello? But you can't go back and redo them. But that means tonight, Lord, I don't want to be so stubborn looking at my past that I fail to see my opportunity right now. I want to be who you want me to be right now. I want to be what you want me to be right now. Come on, anybody have a right now feeling in your spirit? I can't do anything about the mistakes or the victories in my life yesterday. I can't help any of that, but I am going to let God deal with me now. How many people miss a blessing because they're so enamored with what happened yesterday? They sit in a church service that's good enough for everybody else. People would love to change places with them. There'd be thousands in hell that would like to have your seat tonight. And you waste a good service 
because you're thinking about what somebody did three weeks ago. You can't change it. Nothing will ever change it. I don't care how many I'm sorry's they say, it's not gonna change it. It happened, and you can't get over it, and they can't fix it. Listen, listen close. You can and you must resolve conflict in your life. And when you decide to, be ready to change. Be ready to say, I'm sorry. I had the wrong attitude. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? Here, let me, let me help you with this, and I'm, I'm closing. I mean it. I'm closing. How many get tired of the repetitive pattern? Here it is. Listen. Here's the pattern that repeats itself. Sin, confession, forgiveness. Sin, confession, forgiveness. How many times is that repeated in our life? Let me ask you. How many times have you said, Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. I'm not going to do that again. And he says, oh, I forgive you. That's fine. And you dwell in the sunshine for about three minutes. And then you do it again. And you feel so condemned. Oh, God, sorry. I did that again. Thing I said I wasn't going to do. Hey, me again. Eventually, you become like my wife's family where they don't tell those funny stories anymore. They just say a number, number 23. And we all know, ah, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Number 62, ah, yeah, I remember that one too. Don't waste your time telling it again. We've heard it over and over and over and over. How many times we come to the altar and go, hey, God, 32. <laughs> I mean, Serious. How many times have we sinned, confessed, and been forgiven? It just keeps going over and over. And you know what? That probably accounts for most of the discouragement that we feel. That probably accounts for most of the reason why you can't worship God when you come to church. Because you're still in this cycle. Let me ask you, why does change seem so temporary? Well, we're going to answer that question in closing in this service with another question. It's actually the a first line of a bad joke. Why is change so temporary? Why do we keep changing over and over? Well, let me ask you a question. When is a door not a door? Huh? I think he said it. When it is a jar. <laughs> That's so funny. A jar, get it? A jar. A jar, a door. Some of you just got it. I can't believe that Dale is quicker than the majority of you. How's that work? He had it, and you're like, what? When is a door not a door? When it's a jar, what? That door right back there is a jar right now. You understand? It's, it's slightly open. Okay, everybody's got it. All right. When is a door not a door? When it's a jar. Now, I didn't tell you that joke for the humor value, obviously. I wanted to see if Dale was still awake. When is a door not a door? When it is something else. That's the answer. When it is something else. And in thinking about change, in the biblical data indicates just 
that change takes place not merely when certain changes occur, but only when there has been a change. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm telling you right now, there has been a change in your life. This is why the writer Paul in Ephesians can say put off and put on because there has been a change in your life. Does anybody believe that? Somebody say amen. So let us take an example or two to clarify this concept. Let me ask you another question. When is a liar not a liar? When is a thief not a thief? The answer should read as follows. A liar is not a liar when he stops lying. Am I okay? A thief is not a thief when he stops thieving. Right? But that, that's not right. How many know that a thief can be thieving and then he can stop thieving? Maybe he's scared of getting caught. Maybe he says, man, that was a close one. I better stop that for a while. A thief is, not, is no longer a thief, not just because he quit stealing. Everybody okay? All right. All the cessation of stealing indicates that for the moment or the present, he is not stealing. Perhaps all that this means is that it is strategically not wise for him to steal at this time. He may still be a thief, but he's just not thieving right now. When is a liar not a liar? When he's not telling? No, it's not when he stops lying. It's when he's something else. When he becomes something else. But, but what else? When he stops lying, what must he start doing? The, the Bible says that lying must be replaced. What does Paul say? What, look at Ephesians 4.25. Wherefore, in other words, he's now applying the principles. Of putting away lying. In other words, quit lying. But that doesn't mean you're not a liar. Here's the next part. Speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. That's what you're supposed to put on. When is a liar not a liar? When he has become a truth teller. Just because he's not doing something. No, he doesn't just quit lying. No, he starts telling the truth. Am I okay? Unless he's been reprogrammed or rehabilitated when the chips are down, when he's tired, sick, or under great pressure. Listen, I want to tell you something. I don't care how bad a headache I have. Am I okay? I don't care how bad a headache I have. For me to walk in the house and punch my wife. No, I'm telling you right now. And if we're not careful, we start thinking, well, if they hadn't said that, or if my, if my head wasn't hurting so bad, I wouldn't act like that. No, you know what? You know when a liar's not a liar? Not just when he quits lying, because under enough pressure, he's got to be changed. He's got... <laughs> 
He's got to put something off and he's got to put something on. And I have to say, I don't care how bad I'm feeling, I'm not going to treat my wife like that. I don't care how bad I feel, I'm not going to say that to Jeannie. Well, Brother Gene, I said that because I was just mad. Well, get over yourself. Get ready to change when you decide to deal with conflict. Because you know what? I started realizing most of the problem, I started wondering why everybody was a problem. And you know what the common denominator was? Me. Wow. Everybody all right? Old sinful habits, patterns are not that. Well, I'll just stop doing No, you can't just stop. You have to replace that. This is why what we heard this weekend was so powerful. A child of God that's been born again has not just been smacked on the wrist and said, quit doing that. No, he's been reborn. He is not the same creature he was when he came to the altar. Do we still believe that? So get ready to be changed. <laughs> well, Brother Gene, I like what you're preaching about conflict, but my mom and dad still hadn't apologized to me. Well, maybe you need to change. <laughs> Somebody say amen. Let me ask you another question. When is a thief not a thief? Oh, when he quits stealing. No, no. Let's look at the Bible. Look at verse, I don't even know what it is. The next verse, whatever it is, put it up there. He ain't seen no, that's not it. Go to the next one. There you go. Let, let's read this. Let him that steal, let him, let him who steals, steal no more. Okay, turn to your neighbor and tell him, stop it. Stop it. You know when a thief quits thieving? Not just when he throws off thieving, but when he puts on something. What does the Bible say? You know this man's not going to be a thief anymore. Just read the rest of it. Working, let him work. Let him labor with his hands. That's how you know he's changed. Not because he said, oh, I don't do that anymore. You know what? He's taking steps now to be a different man. He's now working. Oh. You see what I'm talking about? Be ready to change. And that just doesn't mean stop doing that. That means put something on. You know what I think we ought to do? I think we ought to put on love. Somebody say amen. A thief is still a thief. If he only has stopped stealing, he is simply a thief who at the moment is not stealing. But under pressure, he's likely to revert. But if after repentance he gets a job, works hard, earning his money honestly, and learns the blessing of giving, it's up there in that verse. He is no longer a thief. A thief is not a thief when he has become a hardworking man who gives. It's not about what you don't do anymore. Is everybody okay? Yeah, get ready to change. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, get ready to change. All through the scriptures, I'm closing. All through the scriptures, you see these two factors in this process. In fact, look at verses 26 and 27. In this chapter, Ephesians, yeah, look at this. Notice what Paul says about anger. He says, don't hold on to anger. It's not a sin to get upset. But he said, don't let it get a hold of you. 
How many know some of your kids need to see you angry about some stuff? You did what? (laughs) I'm kindly asking you what you did. (laughs) And don't go to bed and say, you know what, I need to sleep on that because I'm about ready to kill him. Uh Uh-oh, the Bible says it's it's not sin to be angry, but don't hold on to it. Don't hold on to it. There are people in this room that still hold an anger that is from years ago. You're not changed. You know how we know you're changed? It's when you say, I'm putting something on. Not only am I not going to be angry, but I'm not going to let it get a hold of me. Put off resentment or anger that's held in and put on dealing with problems daily. Daily. Check out verse 29. Consider his words about speech. He says, put off corrupt communications that cut up others. Put on words that build up. You know, it's not enough that you just don't talk about people anymore. Some of you are so focused on, I'm just not going to talk about people anymore. A thief is still a thief even though he's not thieving. Something has to happen. He has to change. This man has to say, I'm going to work because I need to understand the blessing of giving. And the Lord says, you don't need to just put off corrupt communication. You know what you need to do? You need to put on edifying words, words that build people up. I wonder if you started thinking about what was about to come out of your mouth and say, is this going to build somebody up or is this going to tear somebody down? And you know what? Most of what you get ready to say would probably be checked by the Holy Ghost if you said, is this going to build somebody up or is this going to tear somebody down? Get ready to change. Notice in verse 31 and 32, he advocates in place of nasty verbal or physical expression, bitter angerness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, malice. Look what he says needs to replace that. He says, put off bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, and malice. What does he say to put on? Forgiveness. Well, I'm just not slandering anybody. Yeah, but do you forgive people? I'm not going to talk about it anymore. That's wrong. No, it's not just okay to not do what's wrong. You ought to want to do what's right. I'm going to forgive. Somebody say amen. We see it in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. It's not on your paper, so don't worry about it. But in 1 Peter 3, 9, Peter said, Not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but instead giving a blessing. Look at that. There are people that literally think that they're Christian, they're, they're reflecting Jesus, but they cussed me, so I flipped them off. I know, I shouldn't have done it, but I was tired of it. Their dog had messed in my yard one too many times. I went over there and flattened his tires. No, I'm preaching to you right now. You don't know it, but I'm preaching to you right now. You don't know what they did to me. They had no idea. I went over there and slit their tires. Listen, listen. You can say I'm I'm born again, I'm a child of God all you want, but a thief is still a thief if there's nothing to replace that. When somebody insults you, when somebody gets one up on you, oh, you know what you're supposed to do? Go get one up on them. 
You know, I had a funny thing happen here. Right after I assumed the pastor to this church, I had a car full of young people. They're all old now. Some of them still in this church, but most of them we ran off. I'm teasing. Some of them are still here. I was sitting in that little old house over there on Schroeder, and I hear, I hear this car go by real slow. And I think, well, what in the world is that? I, I look outside the window, and I see this car just creeping by. And I think, well, somebody's up to no good. So my gift of suspicion started operating. It was in the fall of the year. I went and sat back down. All of a sudden, I heard whispers, giggles. I knew what they were doing. They were wasting perfectly good toilet paper. I mean, over my house, over the trees. I don't know which one of them was, but they busted my picnic table. To sh- just shattered it. Yeah, somebody trying to get away fell into my picnic table, and it went into a million pieces. No big deal. You're the preacher. You can't get them back. Don't say that. Everybody else can, but not me. You've got to say, oh, God bless you. I love you. Break everything I got. I'm still going to have a smile on my face. No, they're rolling my house. You call it teepee, and we call it rolling. Rolling my house. Toilet paper everywhere. They finally got done and left, and I let them get all done. And I went outside, and of course, I, I was a kid once, and I knew I was getting repaid. It's okay. I went outside with one of them candle lighters. I thought, I'm going to show them something. I lit that toilet paper up, and all of a sudden, it started smoldering, going over the house and going in the trees. And about 45 seconds to a minute, every bit of that toilet paper was gone. I went back in the house and sat down. All of a sudden, I heard a car driving by real slow. Car stopped. I heard it pulling the driveway. Well, praise the Lord. Saints of God coming to visit the pastor. Y'all, how you doing? Come right in. And all these young people come filing in my house. Hey, pastor, how you doing? And, And I notice what they're doing. They're looking around. One of them says, can I use the bathroom? I knew what they're looking for. They're wondering where I put all that toilet paper so fast. Finally, one of them said, Pastor, what'd you do with all that toilet paper? Man, I ate at the Mexican restaurant. I appreciate God sending y'all by here. Oh, that's gone. What'd you do with that? You know what I did? I put it in paper bags, and I'm going to put it in your car, and I'm going to put it in your dad's truck. You know what? Peter said, don't return evil for evil. If a bunch of half-backslid young people come by and TP your house, don't quit church over it. Smile and say, you're the greatest kids in the world. Hope you're in the youth choir next Sunday. What about these people? Well, Brother Gene, they did this and they did that. I'm going to repay them. That's just who I am. Well, it's time for you to start changing. You know what 3 John verse 11 says? Do not imitate that which is evil. 
This is what bugs me about people that think they're going to shoot people. What, what, are you going to imitate what this world standard of vengeance is? Is that what you're telling me? Uh-oh, you got real quiet, didn't you? I'm talking about change. I'm talking about conflict. I'm talking about friction. Jesus said it in 3 John verse 11. Don't imitate evil. How many know that Hollywood's not our uh, example? <laughs> Anybody hear what I'm telling you? How many say, hey, we don't follow the world. We don't do what the world does. If I preach that tonight, you'd be swinging from those lights. We're not worldly. We're going to be separated. Well, then let me ask you something. Why do you think you should act like the world in vengeance? Huh? Where'd you get that? Who taught you that? I'm just, I'm just asking you some very important questions. Oh, I love Jesus. No, we know you love Jesus, not just because you stop doing stuff, but because you start doing something else. Beloved, do not imitate that which is evil, but imitate that which is good. Everybody okay? I know it's tough. It's tough. This is the kind of talks me and God have every morning, and it gets real tough. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, and I close. Not, uh-oh, I better start changing. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the habit of some is, but encouraging one another. Look at that. You know what it says? You know how to know somebody loves to be at church? Not just because they're sitting in the pew. Bless God, I know I'm not supposed to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. I'm going to sleep through this service, Pastor, but at least I'm here. I'm not going to clap my hands. I'm not going to raise my hands. I'm going to sit and stare at the preacher, and when he gives the altar call, I'm standing right here in my seat. I'm really not here, but at least I'm obeying the Scripture. I'm not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Woo-hoo. No. What does it say? How does a man know he wants to be at church? Not just because he's there, but because he encourages somebody. You know why you're here? Not because other people are not going to church, but because you're here to encourage somebody. Your worship encourages somebody. You praising God, your sleeping encourages somebody. No, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Get to church, but encourage one another. Somebody turn to your neighbor and tell them, I want to encourage you tonight. (laughs) Somebody say amen. I think it's very important we let God change us. How many like for the Lord to change you? Lord, I just don't want to stop lying. I want to to be a truth teller. Lord, I don't want to just stop thieving. I want to work hard so I can give to somebody else. Lord, I don't want to just be at church. I want to encourage somebody. Let's stand together. I want you to reach over and pray for somebody to your left or your right. I want you to pray, God, help us to change, Lord. Help us to allow you to change us in the name of Jesus. Lord, we are not that light. We still need change.